On today's episode of After the Whistle, we will recap the weekend of football, discuss the MLB playoff picture, preview the Eastern Conference Final, and Game 7 between LA and Denver, and finally dissect Rajon Rondo's career playoff success. Welcome back to another episode of After the Whistle. We hope you all had a great week one. Hope your team's won. Hope your fantasy team's won. Uh, we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with the MLB, however. Um, and a nobody, Alec Mills, threw a no-hitter yesterday, Pat. Yeah, so uh, surprising out of the MLB, Alec Mills with the no-hitter. He was a walk-on at college, never a top prospect, was a 22nd round pick, had Tommy John surgery two years ago, and now he's up there with Lucas Giolito as the only two to throw a no-hitter in the MLB as the Cubs route the Brewers 12 nothing. So yeah, the Cubs have their number three, I guess. It's, it's kind of crazy. Both no-hitters came from Chicago. I, I really – I was focused on week one yesterday, and then all of a sudden I see Alec Mills has no-no through eight, and I first thing is, who is Alec Mills? Yeah, he, he sure was a nobody. And, you know, getting that bleacher report in the middle of a football Sunday is just kind of like I am not changing the channel to baseball at this time. So we'll find that one out through updates. Yeah, exactly. I was just waiting for my phone for the update to see it get broken up in the ninth. But good for Mills. He got it done. Uh, surprisingly, little did I know, I realized yesterday, the MLB playoffs start in two weeks, um, which is wild. You know, shortened season, obviously only 60 games. Teams only have – you know, from anywhere from 10 to 15 games left. Pat, what do you think is going to happen in the NL playoffs if they ended today? Yeah, so the Dodgers would be the one seed with the, with the Padres coming right up behind them for – it wouldn't be the two seed because they, they drop down to the four because the way the seeding works is you, if you're the second in your division, you automatically fall to fourth or below. So the Padres are only two and a half back of the Dodgers now as everybody's seen the Dodgers would take the NL and run with it. And that's not to say they're not going to – win it but the Padres are looking very strong after their deadline moves and I just think that's one of the more interesting things going on in the NL um Dodgers are heavy favorites then you have the Braves in second with the Cubs and then the Padres Marlins Cardinals Phillies and Giants will round out the top eight uh the bottom of this uh division I feel is very weak and I don't know I just feel like it's going to be top heavy and the Dodgers should take it I mean there's no reason why they shouldn't go to the World Series. But um, the AL, on the other hand, you've got a very tight-knit group there. Uh, I think you have a solidified eight, but what are, you, what are you thinking there? Yeah, so my Yankees are in the seventh spot right now, which I, I think they'll be able to jump Toronto at five. I think, well, the Yankees have 13 games remaining, seven of them are against the Blue Jays, so that, that second seed from the AL East is going to be decided there. I never thought I'd see the day, or at least within you know, the next five years, where the Chicago White Sox are winning the AL right now. Um, and Tampa's only a half a game behind them, which is wild. And the Oakland Athletics, who you know, have shown some promise over the past couple of years, they're winning the AL West pretty convincingly. The four seed would be the Twins. I like them a lot this year. Toronto's a five. They're an upstart young team. The Astros, 23-24, and 24, are the six seed, like I said before. Yankees are the seven, and then Cleveland rounds out the eight. Um, the main surprise is, like I said before, is the White Sox and Rays leading the AL. They're, I'm not – right now, we'd play the Rays. And to be honest, little brother Rays, I'm not scared of them at all. 
I could see a lot of upsets in these first rounds. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it right now, and I see the Astros, Yankees, Indians in six, seven, and eight. You go back two years ago, and you that this should be flipped. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm not saying there's new teams taking the reins in the AL, but I just find it very interesting that it goes White Sox, Rays, A's in the AL. Yeah, Matt Chapman ruled out for the season last week or just a few days ago. That'll be a tough restart for the A's. Uh, the White Sox are a very young team, but – Luis Robert and uh, Eloy Jimenez. But, and then the Rays, who just don't spend money on anybody, and they seem to just keep winning games. So good for them, but watch out for the Yankees in the first round. Still the Yankees here. 100%. We got a little winning streak going. About time. I'm happy. Don't mess it up. Let's just keep riding hot. Uh, let's get out of the MLB and move to the NFL and college football. Move to both football segments. Uh, Pretty boring week one or week two, you should call it, for the college football slate. Nothing much really going on. The only thing I wanted to comment on, Pat, uh, my Syracuse Orange got their ass kicked by the Tar Heels this weekend. Tar Heels have a cornerback. His name is Storm Duck, and he's actually pretty good. He's better than just a name, um, but I just thought that was the most electric name, and that was the best thing that I saw this weekend in college. Yeah. To branch off of to watching college, I pretty much watched a little bit of the Syracuse UNC game, and and then I watched my uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and you know it was very sloppy game I could say from the uh, Notre Dame Duke game, and I we were talking before, and you said about the UNC Syracuse game that I was very sloppy as well. I just college football is going to take time to develop. You're going to have to wait for the SEC to come back. They don't come back for another week or so. And who knows what's going on with the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12. That's for another day. But, I don't know, college football was very light. And, I mean, we all hope it gets back because betting on college football is probably one of the best things you could bet on. So, I don't know. But that Storm Duck, the, you caught, that you caught my attention on that one. And that was funny when I heard that name. Yeah, and you're, you're fighting Irish. They played a Duke team. I think it's very underrated. Chase Bryce from Clemson last year. You pair him up with Cutcliffe. It's a great quarterback coach for our boy Daniel Jones. Um, and that Duke defense is pretty good. Ian Book struggled in the first half. It's going to be weird to see Notre Dame in the ACC this year. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm happy they moved into a conference. I never wanted to admit that they'd move into one because, you know, I feel like it might be easier in a way to get to the college football playoff for Notre Dame because obviously you're dealing with the powerhouse in Clemson. But, you know, you get the rival in Clemson now. You get to play Miami. It, it'll be good for them. And I feel like Notre Dame will solidify themselves as the number two team in the ACC. And it's just going to be a matter of, can they recruit to the point where they can beat a Clemson? I don't know if that's going to ever happen. I hope it does, but I feel like it's good that Notre Dame's in the ACC and that gives college football another marquee matchup. Yeah. There's a lot to look forward to in college football. The SEC starts in a couple of weeks. I know the big 10 is going to have a revote in a couple of weeks. I think they'll come back um, to move into the NFL. Previewing this, it was not going to be a great weekend, great week one, but it actually surprised me. It was a lot of action. We'll start, since we're both Giants fans, we'll start in the NFC East. Um, the Eagles played the football team this weekend. What happened in the second half? Yeah, I don't know. Carson Wentz came out at the beginning of that game, and he looked like – I know it's week one. I might be overreacting. He looked like he was going to solidify himself as you know an MVP candidate for the year, and the Eagles were going to look like the team to beat in the NFC East. And the Washington football team just had one of the best second halves I've seen a team that looked like a nobody after being down 17-0, coming back, 
taking the lead and just running away with it. Uh, what did Wentz get sacked eight times? I think we saw. Yeah, eight sacks. I, I'm honestly, the offensive line wasn't great. They missed Lane Johnson, but Carson Wentz has to go to the football. He held onto the ball way too long, and my defensive rookie of the year pick Chase Young showed out. Yeah, I definitely think if we watched the live odds of that one flip, it probably would go in your favor. He's a monster. That whole entire D-line went crazy yesterday. Matt Ioannidis, Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young. They had a really good day. We'll move into our game of the week, the Saints-Bucks. Bucks, a little bit of disappointment. The offense looked totally out of sync. Yeah, I could say it might have not end up being the game of the week from the way we put it. However, we did see that it got the most views. I think they announced, Fox announced that it had the most views since the, I think it was the, the Super Bowl for all football games. It got the most views since the Super Bowl, which is pretty big. Um, and I just feel that uh, Brady looked discombobulated and just out of sync, which I guess you can expect, but I don't know. It's Tom Brady. What? I mean, his first interception where him and Mike Evans like stared at each other after the play and they both said to each other, what are you doing? They look totally out of sync. I mean, they let up 34 points, but I can't blame the defense. One of them was a pick six to Janoris Jenkins. They were on the field a lot. The offense just wasn't great. I think Scotty Taylor is going to be an electric PPR receiver. I think everybody should look to pick him up because Brady loves a safety net and he loves just quick dump off. And I think Scotty Taylor is really fast and he's going to be really good. Yeah, I don't know, but – what about Cam Newton, on the other hand? How about that? Yeah, so Cam took the reins from Brady in New England, and they got to win against the Dolphins 21-11. to 11. Uh, Cam had two rushing touchdowns, only threw the ball, I think, 19 times. Um, but yeah, he's really impressive. I know it's the Dolphins, but they're not as bad as people think. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about Cam's performance? I like Cam's performance, but I felt like they kind of – I don't want to say babied him into his first start, but – they kind of told him, you know, you're not going to really throw the ball deep, which, you know, he's never been a good deep ball thrower, so I don't blame him for that. But he took and ru- he ran with the ball a lot. He just took off. And Cam gets injured a lot. And I feel that if he does this throughout the season, it's going to be an issue. But if he like, goes on this pace of where he's going to run, I mean, he's going to rack up a ton of touchdowns. And fantasy owners are going to be very happy. But what do you think about this report with the uh, Dolphins trying to rip off uh, Cam's necklace? So – I watched the video. A bunch of them just kept going at his chain. It was really odd. And then something clicked in my head that Aqib Tlaib was traded to the Dolphins late last year. He never played a game. Notoriously, notorious chain snapper, Aqib Tlaib. Yeah. He was on Michael Crabtree. Never played a game, but I was reading an article, and a couple of the defenders on the Dolphins confirmed that he played a huge part in the locker room. So I have to imagine he had to tell them. I mean, there's no way. There's no Cam Newton did nothing disrespectful at all the entire game. He did his normal celebrations, you know, Superman on the first down, like a three-yard run. But it was a little odd. I saw another stat. Cam Newton had 64 rushing yards at one point, which broke the franchise record for a Patriots running uh, quarterback, which is a <laughs> um, We'll move on to the number one pick's debut, Joe Burrow had his first game with the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost to the Chargers 16-13. to He looked good, not great, and he was kind of spoiled at the end. Yeah, um, 
Burrow came out, he looked very good. He kind of got slowed up, you know, midway through the game and late into the third and the fourth quarter. He just didn't, you know, they, the offense couldn't get anything going. Then nobody really could in that game. But Randy Bullock missing that field goal and then having that injury, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say he was faking that in a way. 100% agree. Yeah, I just feel that, you know, you're kicking a field goal that moment of time in the game. What are the odds you're going to get injured? What do you think? He pulled his hamstring? Yeah, so he grabbed at his right calf after he missed the field goal. He, I mean, there's nothing athletic about what he did. There's no way he could have got that injured. Um, I think he definitely faked it. As soon as he missed it, I told my buddies that he faked it. There's no way that you can tear or hurt your Achilles or your calf kicking a 25-yarder. And then a report came out after from Tom Pulisero from NFL said Bengals kicker Randy Bullock is undergoing tests, but the left calf issue that caused his late miss is nothing serious. And then if you look at the picture, he's actually grabbing his right calf. So I think he just reported the wrong leg, Bullock did. And, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's 100% fake. Yeah, so I don't know. I just feel that that was my best bet of the week, too, if you remember. I, had, I think I had the uh, Chargers. I, I believe the line was uh, minus three and a half, though. So it didn't really play anything into it. Maybe if, they went into, if he made it and they went into overtime. Yeah, I know some people got it at minus three. Uh, my over bet of the week in the Bucks saints game hit, thanks to Brady's pick sixes, or pick six and other interceptions. But, yeah, yours pushed. We'll call yours a push. Move on to the Lions and Bears. Really rough start for the Bears. And then my boy Mitch, he's back. Mitch is fully back. Yeah, Mitch, what a fourth quarter he had. I mean, that throw that he made uh, down the right sideline to, I believe it was Anthony Miller who caught that ball on the sideline. That was, that was a great throw. And, I mean, I, don't, I know the Giants play the Bears next week, and I don't know what the Giants are going to do for this season, but I feel that this could be the win for the Bears in week one could move them on to something good because their defense is elite. And if Mitch can play anywhere near average, there's no reason why they couldn't put up a halfway decent fight for the uh, NFC North. Yeah, Mitch played really well. He had a rough three quarters, but he ended up outplaying Mahomes and Watson. So clearly they made the correct pick in that draft. The game ended with a fourth quarter comeback attempt from the Lions. Pass to DeAndre Swift in the right at the corner of the end zone. And Stonehands came out. Stonehands Swift turned around without the ball. And that's got to be heartbreaking as a rookie. Yeah, you know, you just – Stafford is one of those quarterbacks that is always put in the spot to run the two-minute drill late. And he always – and he always um, just gets him down to the field, gets him to, like, the 25-yard line. And then he has to make that one or two throws into the back of the end zone. And it's usually either picked or – a wide receiver just ends up dropping it. And that was the case. Swift to make the rookie moment of the week. I mean, if he made that catch, I mean, people would be going, would be raving for him for the rest of the season. Yeah, I feel really bad because he had a touchdown in that game and all they're going to talk about is how he ruined the game when it was really the defense choking against Mitch. Um, Next game, we'll go to the Vikings and Packers. Very high scoring fair in Minnesota. I think this makes the Jordan Love pick look a lot worse now. Yeah, Rodgers looked fantastic. And, you know, I know it's early and people were, you know, going nuts about how Green Bay didn't address their wide receivers to help out Rodgers this season because of what happened last year. 
but that connection to Rodgers to Devontae Adams was unstoppable in week one. And if Rodgers and that offensive line can hold up, there's no reason why that offense can't be great. They have a solid running back with wide receivers that, you know, that'll get the job done. They have a true one with multiple twos and threes. So I think the Packers should be fine. It's the defense that's going to, you know, need to show up on a daily basis. Uh, I don't have much else from that game. Yeah, one more hit on the Packers. Five minutes ago, I just reported Lane Taylor is out for the season. Packers starting right guard. That will hurt them. Rodgers has an injury history from D Lyman and, you know, Bears, Lions, Vikings all have good pass rush, so it's got to be worrisome for Rodgers. And the Vikings secondary is terrible. They are so bad. Obviously, Devontae Adams, incredible wide receiver, so I'm not too mad that he torched them, but Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and and Lazard, they, they went off, and I don't, I don't think that should be happening. Um, one last NFL game I want to get into is the Cardinals and 49ers. My MVP pick, Kyler, showed out. DeAndre Hopkins had an incredible, incredible debut with the Cardinals, 14 catches. The one thing I want to talk about, though, Pat, Jimmy G sucks. I hate Jimmy G. Yeah, you just think he's an average quarterback? He checked down Jimmy came. He almost killed George Kittle yesterday. He blew the game on the last drive. Four missed, like, check downs to Trent Taylor. I get he doesn't have a receiving core, but you have a top tight end in the NFL, a top running back. I guess because of the offensive line, but the offensive line is incredible. I just don't like Jimmy. I don't think he's that good, and I love this Cardinals team. Yeah, that's a good point about the offensive line for the 49ers. They have one of the best offensive line in the league. Uh, when they run the ball at a, a good rate, they're a tough team to beat because Jimmy in play action, that opens everything up for him. So he looks like a, a great quarterback. But yesterday, you know, the run was so inconsistent. I mean, Mostert had that pretty big, uh, pretty big run, I guess that was. Yeah, it was, it was a screen pass. Yeah, screen pass on the side. And I, I thought to myself, I'm like, here we go again. This Kyle Shanahan offense is going to click on all cylinders. And then the Cardinals defense, you know, showed up. Yeah, before we move into the NBA, Pat, you want to tell us about this Jay Glazer story that came out yesterday? Yeah, so about 30 minutes before kickoff yesterday on uh, Fox, Jay Glazer had a report about um, Tom Brady – being interested in going to the Saints as his number one choice before going to the Bucks, And the reason behind this was Drew Brees was 50-50 on retirement if he was going to end up retiring or stay with the Saints. And Brady wanted to wait on what Drew Brees was going to do until he made a decision on where he was going to go in free agency. And uh, Drew Brees ultimately stayed. Brady goes to the Bucks. They play week one and everything falls from there. But my question to you is, is if you're Drew Brees, are you pissed about this? I am a little pissed off. I, if I'm Drew Brees, I'm asking Tom Brady who you think you are. Obviously, Tom Brady probably is better than Drew Brees, but I'm thinking New Orleans is my city. You can't just come in and be like, oh, I'll, I'll just take the reins after him. If I'm Drew Brees, I don't want anyone getting that starting job unless it's someone lesser that they run up through the bottom or they draft. Tom Brady, you take the spotlight of New Orleans. I'm Drew Brees. I don't know about you, Pat, but I'm pissed off. Yeah, I agree. I'm definitely pissed off as well. And especially with this report coming out, you know, what, not even four hours before kickoff between the two quarterbacks. So I just felt that was an interesting headline. And it's one of those that makes you wonder, like, these reporters knew about this, but they didn't want to report it till the day of the game just to, you know, create that headline. Yeah, I think it definitely lit some fire under Brees and, you know, it showed out. Brady didn't play well. Breeze had a great game. So 
Let's move into the NBA. The Denver Nuggets have done it again. They've came back from 3-1. Game 7 is Tuesday night. Um, do you think that Denver can do it again? Do they can complete another 3-1 comeback? I want to say yes, they can because, you know, they've done it. What, down 3-1, they've come back, tied at 3-3. I, I think the Clippers are an increasingly better team. But, I mean, I'm going to run with the hot team. I think Denver wins. Really? I do. I, I, and I hate to say it, but I think this falls into LeBron's lap. And I'm not going to say the Lakers are going to beat Denver yet, you know, because who knows, Clippers might beat Denver. But I just think this falls into LeBron's lap and he can walk into the finals. What do you, what do you think? I love Denver. Coming into the, the year this year, I said Denver's going to win the NBA title. That was before anything happened, before the regular season. I wish I could say that Denver's going to win this game, but the Clippers aren't the Jazz. They are much better. They're much deeper, and their defense is way better. And, like, I feel like besides Clippers fans, everyone's rooting for the Nuggets because there's not much to hate about the Nuggets, and the Clippers have been a pretty dirty team this playoffs. Nikola Jokic is the best center in the NBA. And he's showing that he's never not showed up in a big game, knock on wood, for Nuggets fans. But I think Kawhi and Paul George need too much. Plus, not saying the NBA is rigged, but I think they'd love an LALA uh, conference final. Yeah, that would definitely get the ratings up because I know the NBA ratings have been down a little bit. But uh, what about uh, the Celtics heat preview? What, uh, what do we have on that? So this is the first time ever that no one or two seed is in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that is something called the bubble effect. There's no home court. Uh, so it's really anyone's game. Obviously, the Magic can't get in. The Nets can't get in. But home court, is it's pretty big. The, the Heat have been the best team in the playoffs this year, without a doubt. Um, Gordon Hayward's like to, likely to return at some point this series. Kemba, last series against the Raptors, wasn't really himself. So both teams are very hot. Celtics, I think they're going to be a little fatigued. So I'm going to have the Heat win game one. But this is a tough series. Boston won the season series 2-1 to one against the Heat this year. I'm personally going to take the Heat in seven games. What about you, Pat? Um, so to go off the Kemba struggles first, what Kemba's doing is he, he's just not performing up to any expectation of what he should be. And I feel that if he doesn't perform up to what he should be, even maybe halfway to that point, I don't think the Celtics stand a chance in the series, to be honest. Uh, the Celtics are going to need him. They're going to need his clutch shots at the end of games. They're going to need him on the defensive end. And I don't know if Kemba lives up to the expectations because maybe he's just not built for it. So I'm going to go with the Heat win game one. And I believe the Heat win the series too. I think we both have the Heat. Yeah, I think one definite weakness for Boston is their center with Daniel Tice. He's not bad. He's very average and nothing special. And on the other hand, the Heat have your boy Bam the Slam. He's averaging 16 and 12 in the playoffs. Been a force against Milwaukee and Indiana. I think Bam's gonna be next back here, Pat. I sure hope so. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people like him, but to put him on the national stage in the Eastern Conference Finals, that would be something special for Bam to show up. I will say, Gordon Hayward returning at some point in this series will be big for Boston. He's the best, fourth best player on a team in the NBA. If that makes sense, you know, the Celtics have four stars basically, but. Even though they have, you know, a deep starting lineup, I think the Heat are way deeper and more balanced. you got Duncan Robinson, who just doesn't miss. Tyler Hero, what do you want to say, Pat? I was just going to say, what do you think of Tatum? Do you think he has the ability to take over the series? Do you think he's that legit to carry the Celtics if Kemba does struggle? I wish I could say yes. I love Jason Tatum. I think 
is going to be an MVP candidate for years to come. He will be able to take over if Kemba will get his buckets. Kemba needs to score. Tatum can't do it all alone because you have Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder. One of them is going to be guarding Tatum, and they're both stud defenders. Um, and I think a big matchup to watch here is going to be Smart versus Drogic versus Duncan Robinson versus Hero, any of the guards, because Smart was – I think Smart won them the Toronto series. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, Eastern Conference final. But uh, I want to – let's talk about something that has to do with a former – Celtics point guard, and that's Rajon Rondo. What do you have to say on that? Yeah, so I talked to you the other day after the Lakers won game four, I believe, and I told you that I wanted to take a deep dive into Rondo's career because I think, personally, I think he's the most underrated point guard of all time. So I did some research. He averaged 10 points, eight assists, four rebounds, and two steals in the regular season career. And in the playoffs, that jumps up to 14, nine, five, and two. So I think it's very impressive for Rondo. He seems to step up in the playoffs. I noticed this because in this Lakers-Rockets series, he was the best guard on the court with Russell Westbrook and James Harden there. Something about Rondo, he just controls the offense. Yeah, so, you know, he's also a four-time All-Star, four-time All-Defensive Selection, one-time All-NBA. And uh, this leads me to discuss, like, what really is he in his career? What what do people end up considering him as? Because, you know, I – I feel like he's faded from when he was in his prime to now, but do you think he's resurrected his career a little bit? Yeah, I think he has. And I think, you know, he's already got the NBA championship under his belt in 2008 with the Celtics. He took them to another one in 2010 where they lost to Kobe in game seven. But I think if Rondo gets this second ring, I think he has to be a lock for the Hall of Fame. Right now, basketball reference gives him a 40% chance to make the Hall of Fame which is less than Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Jimmy Butler, who none of them have rings. Um, from basketball reference, only four players in the Hall of Fame have been given a less than 50% chance. Um, and then there's some players, I was looking through the list, that surprised me. Westbrook had a 99% chance, which I get. Lillard, 72%. Kyle Lowry, 85%. And yeah, they're very good point guards. I think they are better than Ray on Rondo. I just don't know if they're that much better than him, career-wise. Yeah, you know, that Westbrook at 99%, I guess I, I do get it. But you look at the past, this past season, Westbrook struggled mightily. And it was evident that something's not right there in Houston. Lillard, I, I feel like looking at him now, I, I feel like he should be at 99%. But, you know, he's still got a good career left in him. But this uh, playoffs, Rondo has been incredible. I mean, to sweep Portland as an underdog versus Lillard, that was – Yeah, I – so when I look back at his career, he swept Portland with New Orleans when he was – they were the sixth seed, and they had Anthony Davis and Cousins. And Lillard was the three seed. That Him and that McCollum team was really, really good. Um, he outplayed Westbrook and Harden this past series. 2017, when Rondo had a little stint with Chicago, he was the eighth seed when Boston was a one seed, that Isaiah Thomas team. He won the first two games of the series. Playoff Rondo came out, got hurt. I believe it was his wrist. I'm not exactly sure. They then lost the next four games of the series. I just think he's not going to put up 25 a night. You know, he's not going to get 30 assists. Like, he's not, he's not going to light up the stat sheet, but I just think he does the intangibles to help you win games. Yeah, and, you know, when watching this playoff, this, these playoffs, and, you know, the way they guard him, I just find it interesting. They, they just lay back on him, and they let him shoot. And most of the times I see him hit the shot. Yeah, he's not a terrible shooter. He's not known for it, but – 
I don't see any reason why you should just be leaving him open. They're giving him a Ben Simmons treatment, and he doesn't deserve that at all. He also he hasn't shut down Westbrook and Harden. He didn't do that at all. But he's a very, very annoying defender, and, you know, he's a pest. He's a player you don't want to be around. I think in game two, he had the best plus minus of any guard with when you're playing against Harden and Westbrook. It's pretty insane. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to do this Rondo career dissection. And do you think he's a Hall of Famer? So, you know, when I asked you, like, if you could put him, compare him to Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, we said, no, you can't. But then there are locks for the Hall of Fame, we said. Yeah. So Rondo's below them. How much below them? You know, maybe a little ways away. But I feel like if Westbrook's at 99% to get into the Hall of Fame, Lillard's at 72% in the time of his career, I feel like there's no reason why Rondo shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it was unfortunate for Rondo that he was, you know, coming into the league with Nash and Jason Kidd kind of dominating it. And then, you know, they start to fade out and – Curry comes along and the game completely changes and it's not really Rondo's style anymore. I mean, a true point guard besides Chris Paul, they don't really like make all-star teams anymore. They don't get the love that anyone like used to with Chris Paul, Nash, Jason Kidd, you know, Lonzo, he, people can compare him to Lonzo Ball. And I think that's very unfair. I love Lonzo, but Lonzo's not there yet. He hasn't shown it in the playoffs. He hasn't been able to lead a team. And I don't think that Celtics team wins the title without Rondo. And I don't think, any of his teams have the success they do without Rondo. Personally, yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. The whole NBA Hall of Fame is by far the weakest. I mean, there's players that get in for no reason. And so, yeah, I think Rondo should make the Hall of Fame. Um, so that was our final segment today on After the Whistle. We're recording this on a Monday. Monday Night Football is tonight. Giants, Steelers, and Titans, Broncos. Is there anything you want to talk about that? And hopefully we can listen to this tomorrow when it goes out and have a Giants win. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, the Giants need to get off to a hot start. And I was thinking about this before. Imagine the NFC East at the top. You have the Washington football team and the New York football Giants. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I, I mean, this Steelers defense is very good. Giants are very young, you know, including their coach, Joe Judge, very inexperienced. Joe Judge versus Mike Tomlin. If you had told me that five months ago, I'd be like, who is Joe Judge? See, like, Tomlin has the clear advantage. I think the X factor here is how Big Ben returns. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, too. If Big Ben returns and he's at the level of which he's been at before, I don't know if the Giants have a chance in this game. But as a Giant fan, I think we could look at this season now and finally see what we have in the future. We could finally say and not, you know – Live, or live every week by just, oh, here's another week of another loss. We go into every week now, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, but have some expectations. Yeah, and, you know, Andrew Thomas, our first-round pick, he's going to have a tough, tough night ahead of him with, you know, Watt, Hayward, Dupree. This Steelers defense is incredible. Like I said last episode, the Steelers are 8-3 and three when they score 11 points last year. I mean – Big Ben's going to score 11 points. I hate to say it. Giants defense is not great. 11 points is not a lot. So I think Daniel Jones, Saquon, Andrew Thomas, I'm very excited to watch them. You know, the receiving core, is they have Sterling Shepard as number one, then Slayton and Tate. I'm very excited for this Giants season. I know they're – I think their uh, season win total is at six and a half. And, you know, I, I think I'll take the over. 
Yeah. So, and then we got, we got a double header tonight. So after that at 1030, I think it is, it's uh, Broncos Titans. That's an interesting game, right? What do you think about that? Yeah. I wish Von Miller didn't participate in the last play of practice the other day. Um, really unfortunate. I love Denver going into this year. Um, but now obviously it's one player, but he's a huge part of that defense. And I'm, I'm not really high on the Titans this year. I think I, I'd take the Broncos. I know Sutton's questionable ahead of tonight. Uh, I hope he plays. But yeah, I'm a big Denver guy, so I'm going to go with the Broncos. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Titans either, but I feel like their recipe for winning regular season games is going to work. Just, you know, run, run the ball, run the ball, and then play action pass to make Tannehill not look as bad as he really is. And I feel like the Titans come out on top, but I think it's going to be interesting watching uh, Drew Locke and that, offense with uh, Pat Shermer now as their offensive coordinator and those wide receivers outside. I mean, Hamler, Judy, you know, Sutton, uh, uh, Noah Fanta, tight end. What do you think of that Broncos offense? Yeah, they're really young, really promising. And I think, I think Judy's going to be great. Sutton's already there, but he's going to be, he's going to get better. Fant's somewhat there. He's going to get better. They drafted another tight end from Missouri, I believe, who was a former teammate of Drew Locke. Um, good, great solid running backs in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So I, I mean, this, this is all on Drew Locke. I, I really, I, I love Drew Locke, but people did give him a lot of credit for you know winning a couple games last year with Denver, and I hope he continues success. Yeah, so it should be a good night of football, and we should have something to talk about on Thursday. Yeah. So other than that, that was episode two of After the Whistle. You can find us on Spotify and basically everywhere else besides Apple Podcasts. I think in a couple days, these will start to be released on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on afterthewhistle.pod on Instagram, um, at Tanner Gazillo and at Patrick Kunzel for our personal accounts. Um, anything you want to say before we sign off, Pat? Nope. I just hope we have a Giants win tonight, and we'll be happy on Thursday to talk about more football and whatever else lies ahead in sports. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Tanner. And I'm Patrick. See you later, guys.